It is Thursday, August 5th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to night three of the Draft Sharks Invitational. I'm your host, Matt Schiaff. With me tonight are Jared Smola and Mike Shope. Mike steps in for Adam Krautwurst tonight. Adam is drafting in a draft that has just gotten underway. We're going to get to who is drafting against him tonight. Um, but first, a quick rundown of the format for anybody who's not familiar with the Draft Sharks Invitational, which is in its second year, of course. 25-round draft, so 25 roster spots per team. No kickers, no defenses. Best ball scoring. Tight end premium, so it's one and a half PPR for tight ends. Straight PPR for everybody else. You start two running backs every week. Start three receivers, one tight end, two flex spots. It is a super flex format, so one of those two flex spots can be a quarterback every week. Basically, every team is going to want to have two quarterbacks who can start most of the weeks throughout the year. And unlike most of these expert leagues that you see out there, it's not just for bragging rights. It's not just for fun. Our boss, Lenny Papano, put his own money up, $250 prize for every league winner. We have six leagues going this year, $2,000 top prize to the overall winner. That was Peter Overs at last year. He is in tonight's field as well, along with Adam. Mike, I know you have checked out the past two nights as an observer. Um, and of course, you're also a competitor in Tuesday's draft coming up for the second straight year. Anything stand out to you so far? Anything that you're watching for heading into tonight? Yeah, the first thing is I think you guys are very brave going up against the Olympics. Um, as, a, <laughs> as a viewer, I, I respect that. The The first and maybe biggest difference between the two drafts were was how the quarterbacks played out early. Because the first night you had teams just sort of put off quarterback to the point where you wondered – I wondered if one or two of them knew it was a super flex league. And then you had last night, which felt more like it, I thought it should have looked or expected it to look. So I would say that was uh, one difference. Now, last night, the quarterbacks slowed down, it seemed, after the first round or two, and then ended up uh, being behind the first night. So I think how teams handle quarterbacks is interesting in all of these. And in the first two nights, you did see some variance. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. As you mentioned, we had twice as many quarterbacks in round one last night, but by the end of round three, they were both even. So it was just it, overall, they didn't go that much earlier. It was just kind of whether it was round one or round two where people liked them. Jared, anything stand out to you in difference between the first two drafts so far? Yeah, same thing. Just, you know, where those quarterbacks went. I, I thought the draft last night, in, in my opinion, kind of nailed it as far as, you know, where the quarterback should go. I do think there should be a gap between, you know, those top, you know, handful of guys and the rest of the pack. So I, I thought last night's draft was, was sharp. And, you know, as we look at tonight's draft, it's, you know, kind of kind of mirroring what we saw last night, at least closer to um, that Wednesday draft and that, than the Tuesday one. And we're not only going up against the Olympics, but also competing with football tonight with the Steelers and Cowboys playing. I made sure that we were not going to go on before we got our first Mason Rudolph turnover. Uh, fortunately, he took care of that very early in the game, so it didn't really cramp our style at all. Before we get to the picks, and we do have quarterbacks flying off the board earlier tonight, like last night, let's meet the drafters. And it is starting with J.J. Zacharyson. He is the editor-in-chief at FanDuel Number Fire. He's the host of the award-winning late round podcast. He literally wrote the book on late round QBs, so we'll see where he drafts them here. But even JJ has con conceded that we've seen sea change in drafting quarterbacks over the past couple of years. You can find JJ, of course, on Twitter at late round QB. He will actually be joining us Tuesday on the Draft Sharks podcast as well. So look for that one. 
Number two in the order tonight is Nick Bakai. He is an actor, a comedian, a writer, a producer. He voiced the cat on Sabrina the Teenage Witch back when I was much younger. He was a writer for In Living Color for those like me who loved that show. So I always like to highlight that one in particular. Contributed football content at ESPN NFL Network. You can find him on Twitter at Nick Bakai for real, the number four. Number three tonight, Connor Allen is the director of betting at 4 for 4 Football. He hosts the Move the Line podcast. That covers betting and fantasy. Yet another who blurs the line between analyst and player. I know you can find him in the high stakes streets as well. On Twitter, he is at Connor Allen NFL. Number four, Peter Overzet, last year's champion. Really, I, I think he kind of defies description more than anyone else in this tournament. You watch some of Peter's antics, I think, and you want to believe he's just a goofball. But, but the guy is also a smart DFS player, a smart fantasy player. Gives real advice. You know, like I mentioned, he won this tournament last year, so he knows what he's doing. He's on Twitter, at Peter Overzet. We'll be watching to see if he attacks this year's draft the same way he did last year, right, Jared? Yeah, and I wish I had gone back and, you know, looked at his team again. I know, you know, we, we had said he had started with their one running back and then kind of ignored the position. I can't remember what he did at quarterback. Um, I, I guess I, I can pull that up as we're talking here the rest of the night. All right. We'll I don't one. remember either, but he started with Dalvin Cook and he ended with Mike Davis. And, yeah. he, beat, and he beat me among uh, everybody else. But I, mean, I, was in, I was in his group and we had him on the deep end twice to talk about his lead and then his win. That was a good way to bookend your draft last year. It was Dalvin yeah. Cook at the beginning and Mike Davis at the end. Number five, right in the middle of this year's night three, is Mark Garcia. He is a fantasy football analyst for one week season. He's also the kind of player that can sneak up on you in a competition like this. Mark's not only an experienced player, but he's also an experienced poker player. He's a self-proclaimed game theory nut. So, I mean, everybody in this tournament knows how to play fantasy. Mark is the kind of drafter who's just might be thinking differently than everybody else at any point. I think, you know, sometimes that kind of thinking can go too far and you get yourself overthinking things, but it will be interesting to see where Mark goes. I remember looking at some of his late round picks last year uh, and wondering what the thought process was on those. We had him on a podcast after the last year's draft. So be curious to see what he does with the late round picks. And I mean, we, we have the draft board going here during the stream. But you can follow the draft even after we finish the stream tonight on the Draft Sharks Discord. You can find that link on the YouTube channel, on any of the podcast feeds from here. So check that out. Mark is at HiloFF on Twitter. Number six in the draft, Justin Boones, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. He hosts The Score's Fantasy Football Podcast. You might recognize him from the top of the Fantasy Pros accuracy rankings. Justin finished number one overall in 2019. He has been among the top seven each of the past seven seasons. He is at Justin Boone on Twitter. Number seven is Chad Schroeder. Quite simply, the top high-stakes fantasy player of all time. If you name an event, he has won it. He's got 24 full-season national titles across sports. I mean, good luck trying to get Chad off his game. I do remember, though, Chad talking about people sniping his picks in this draft in, like, round 20-plus. So that kind of shows you the field that we bring together for the DS Invitational. Chad is at ChadSCH23. On Twitter, number eight's Dave Kluge. He is a contributor at Football Guys as well as Fantasy Pros. You can hear him on the Two Point Stance podcast and other shows in Football Guys Audible Network. Dave is at Dave Kluge. That's K-L-U-G-E on Twitter. Number nine is our boy Adam Krautwurst. You might know him from our live streams the past two nights. He's also Mike's co-host for the Deep End podcast. Adam contributes to Draft Sharks and Team Riser Fall, at least when he's not drafting on myffpc.com. Adam took fifth overall in the 2019 FFPC main event. So he ain't scared in these streets either, right, Mike? He's at Adam underscore Krautwurst on Twitter. You think he's ready for tonight? 
Oh, I'm sure he's ready. I thought he was great on these last two uh, broadcasts. I don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> it's got it's got to be it's got to be the surrounding cast. Right. What's he doing with the Crack Rock name? I don't know. We're trying to figure that out right now in the uh, chat here. I'm not sure why his team is showing up as Crack Rock. It's not showing up there anywhere else. But yeah, Team Nine <laughs> is Adam. He's he's become Crack Rock tonight. He's an impersonator. Let's see if he cranks the purple like Crack Rock likes to talk about on Twitter. Number 10, Matthew Friedman's the chief strategy officer for FTN Network. He is the chief operating officer of Bets Media. You might remember him from the Action Network, Rotoviz, other places. He's a self-proclaimed degenerate gambler and fantasy player. He is at Matt F. The Oracle on Twitter. Number 11 is the team of Jay Reed and Scott Connor. You can find them separately on Twitter or combined at Chase the Helmet. They are high-stakes veterans with 13 total league titles in the main event and Football Guys Championship at MyFFPC.com. They also won their DS Invitational League last year and finished third overall in this competition. And number 12, Ben Gretsch delivers his fantasy content primarily via his Stealing Signals substack at this point. Ben calls himself a novice to high-stakes play, but he's a veteran of multiple sites, including CBS recently. He also finished number eight overall in the first DS Invitational. You can find Ben on various podcasts and at Yards Per Gretsch on Twitter. Now let's get to that draft that has uh, Adam impersonating other drafters. We'll start at the beginning where JJ already told us he's going to take um, Christian McCaffrey to start things off. Tweeted that out earlier today when they were talking about him having the top spot. Dalvin Cook is the second pick to Nick Bakai's team. No surprise with either of those picks. I mean, sometimes in these super flex drafts, you see a quarterback coming off the board before that first running back, but nothing uh, nothing like that so far in this spot. It's Lamar Jackson, the first quarterback off the board. Mike, how surprised are you to see Lamar Jackson come off before Patrick Mahomes? I'm surprised in the to the extent that you just usually would see Mahomes, and a lot of these drafts from the top are pretty similar. But Jared, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's bad. Like I, th- I feel like there's a reasonable argument for Jackson up top. You have Mahomes, Allen. Jackson, Murray, maybe or maybe not Prescott. I think those four guys could come in in any order. So I'm okay. I mean, you know, 12 months ago, Lamar Jackson was, you know, not the consensus number one quarterback. But I think more people had Lamar number one going into last year than Mahomes. I, you know, to me, why Mahomes is quarterback one is more because of the floor. I, I think he just has less questions than those other top, you know, three, four guys. But ceiling wise, I think Lamar Jackson could outscore Mahomes. I think Josh Allen. Kyler Murray, maybe even Dak Prescott could outscore Mahomes. So it's really just the floor that I think for me makes Mahomes number one. But ceiling-wise, uh, Lamar could definitely match or beat him. Would you make a decision like that based on what you think you might get in the later rounds in terms of stacks? Like the Mahomes player mm-hmm. that is not getting Kelsey, not getting Tyreek Hill probably, uh, maybe Edward Celaire if they go that route. Jackson – I mean, I saw Jackson with Andrews last night. Jackson and Bateman or Hollywood Brown can always fit. And in pros versus Joes, when Adam and I drafted, we saw Evan Silva put Jackson with Andrews. So mm-hmm. is is that something that could – would you guys think that that would enter into the thought process? Maybe, although you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of stacking Lamar Jackson because so much of his production comes on the ground. You know, if, if I'm going that route, I might have gone – Josh Allen, although you know you're probably not going to get Steph Diggs or you know, maybe Kyler Murray would have been interesting, you know, with a you know with a chance Connor there could have gotten the Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins stack. So if if that was his thought process, I would have gone 
somewhere else besides Lamar Jackson. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what he ends up doing uh, stacking-wise. Yeah, I would think that even with Lamar Jackson, I mean, if you're ultimately hoping that he's going to carry you to a, a tournament win, you want to get somebody to catch his passes because he's he's going to bring some of it. But maybe it's less of a feeling like you need to than it is with other quarterbacks. They're all cheap, too, which is, you know, the nice thing, at least his wide receivers, you know, Bateman and Marquise Brown both go pretty late. So it's a, it's a cheap stack. Yeah, should have his pick of options there. And then in addition to those, Sammy Watkins is going to be even cheaper. And he's been generating mm-hmm. some buzz at Ravens camp so far. It was Patrick Mahomes off the board right after Lamar Jackson to Pete Overzet's team. So we got the returning champ here, and we give him Patrick Mahomes in the first round. It might be a, a nice start for his draft. Travis Kelsey off the board next to Mark Garcia's team at number five overall. Then it's Josh Allen at number six. I'm sure that Adam was hoping that he was going to make it uh, to his team there. Devontae Adams was next at number seven. Darren Waller at number eight to Dave Kluge's team. Then it was Adam in disguise taking Kyler Murray at number nine. Um, all right, let's finish up the round, then we'll talk about the quarterbacks. George Kittle to Matthew Friedman at number 10, and that's earlier than he's gone the past two nights. Dak Prescott, 11th, and then Tyreek Hill to close out round one. Uh, Mike, anything surprise you there beyond the Lamar Jackson pick? No, that's the list, right? I mean, you might see a, a group fade on Prescott given his injury situation, but that did not happen here, and I think the rest of it is all pretty chalky. You know, Kittle, you mentioned, is somebody – I liked your point last night about how he seems like somebody there could be, there could be a pretty good range of opinions, and you've seen that already in three nights uh, moving up to the point where he's 10 overall here tonight. But quarterback-wise, I mean, you saw Herbert go earlier last night and Wilson go later. We found out last later that that was a mistake. <laughs> uh, Wilson would have gone in exactly the same spot last night to Scott Fish, uh, but for some technical reason he didn't. Yeah, and we already have our first team with two quarterbacks, as you mentioned, Russell Wilson. It's the Jay Reed and Scott Tom- Connor team took Dak Prescott in round one, then around the turn, got Russell Wilson with the second pick of round two. Jared, what do you think about starting with two quarterbacks like that? I like it because we had, I, I believe it was Elliot Christ on the first night open with, I think it was Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah. And I, I like how his team turned out. So, you know, you're obviously investing a lot quarterback but in the super flex format and again we talked about with having 25 rounds you can really build depth at the other position so i i like that if you can get you know two of those top six or seven quarterbacks those are the two quarterbacks that i started with last year it was round two and round three i believe where i got dak and russell wilson and then of course we all lost dak prescott five games into the season but you know we'll see where jay reed and scott connor's team go um they're up on the clock in round three so we'll catch back up with the action there Around the turn, though, it was Ben Gretsch at that 12 spot, took Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs. And I'm going to skip ahead of the rest of the action because the Chase the Helmet team just took their third quarterback in round three. It's Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and then Trey Lance as the 12th quarterback off the board. Mike, what's your your range of reactions here? I feel like there are a number of reactions that can all be competing with each other. My first is, so Jay and Scott did well in this last year. They were on – the deep end with us. They were also in, that was pros versus Joe's. I think also that Adam and I did where we had the one and they did their broadcast as well. And Adam heard them say that their plan was to draft four running backs in the first four rounds and then quit. And so this reminds me of that. I don't know if it is, if it really correlates at all, but they just put four running backs down early in that draft and they were done with running backs the whole night. So I, what would you, would you bet even money that they wouldn't draft another quarterback tonight? I think I would. 
Oh yeah, I, I, I'd put it. Yeah, I'd, I'd put it at like you know minus two hundred that they don't draft another quarterback tonight. Yeah, I mean clearly, if you take Trey Lance as the twelfth quarterback off the board, you're expecting him to start. You're also relying on the fact that you already have Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott being insurance against him starting right away. But you know, you're hoping for ultimate ceiling from all three of these guys. Yeah. So I think you help that reach for the ceiling by using the rest of those spots on those other positions you've neglected through the first three rounds. It's going to be an interesting team to watch throughout this draft, but let's get back on track for the the round two picks before we move on to what's happening. Now, Alvin Kamara is the third running back off the board in round two, the third pick of round two. So a little bit behind where we've seen running backs um, at least on the first night, Zeke Elliott RB four after that to Adams team, then Aaron Jones at RB five, Derrick Henry, RB6, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, all in a row. We had, what, seven straight running backs in the middle of round two. You know, that kind of matches up with how things went before. Just like last night, we had more quarterbacks than in round one the night before. Tonight, we had more in round one than in the first night as well. And then just two of them in round two. So catching back up with things, uh, Jared, what do you think about the way players are coming off the board in this one versus the previous two? Yeah, to me, the... Biggest surprise early is just, you know, the two running backs through 14 picks. You know, that that's a few running backs behind what we saw in the first two drafts. And, I mean, I think to me, Kittle and Stefan Diggs stick out as guys who, you know, personally I wouldn't take over the Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott tier of running backs. Um, yeah, that's kind of what stands out to me. But then, you know, we kind of caught up because we had the, uh, was it seven straight running backs come off the board after that, including Aaron Jones at running back five. I think the second night in a row where – uh, Jones has come off the board much higher at ADP among running backs. Well, he was RB4 on night one to Jack Miller's team. Uh, so, yeah, we're seeing some range there. Jonathan Taylor also came off the board a little bit earlier in RB p- draft position tonight than he did last night. RB9, that's closer to where he's been overall in ADP. So I guess mm-hmm. Pete Overzet's not too worried about Jonathan Taylor without Carson Wentz. So we'll see where that goes. I glanced over George Kittle a little bit when we were in round one, but – he went 16th overall the first night. He went 30. He went 25th overall last night. So that's at the two-three turn, uh, a 15 spot jump to where he went tonight, which is kind of more in line with where he is in standard FFPC drafts. But you know, with the super flex, I think for me, he's the most surprising round one inclusion for me tonight. I just love the the running backs. I mean, two in the first round, Jared. You said last night, like you were looking at the quarterback variance and said, that's why this is the best format. And when are you ever in a draft (laughs) where no position is taken, what, less often than running back or more as often as running back? I'm trying to say five quarterbacks around one, two running backs, two receivers, three tight ends. I mean, that's just – you're not in very many formats where that would ever happen. Yeah, kind of what we wanted when we put this whole – you know, when we designed this whole league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe Matthew Friedman, Matt, is thinking Lance in round four. I mean, there's been so much hype. What player in the league has had more training camp love than Trey Lance at this point? But, Elijah uh, Moore. Elijah Moore. That's probably Eli- it. <laughs> of course, it's rookies. Um, <laughs> but he might have thought he could put Kittle with Lance, and that did not happen. I wonder sure. if he thought that. Uh-huh. I would – I would hope that that's not the plan from that early, but, you know, it's certainly a possibility, and it would have been reasonable for him to think at QB 14 where he, where Matthew did just take a quarterback in round four. You know, it would have been reasonable to think uh, Trey Lance had at least a, a solid shot of being there, but he didn't make it. 
Um, going back to closing out round two, we had Aaron Rodgers going to Nick Bakai's team with the second to last pick around two, DeAndre Hopkins around the turn with Justin Herbert for JJ's team. So no late round quarterback here, but not a surprise in the super flex format. JJ started with Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Herbert, back to Nick Bakai, running back, quarterback, wide receiver for him. Connor Allen followed Lamar Jackson with Calvin Ridley, Antonio Gibson, uh, RB10 in round three. Probably happy to get Antonio Gibson at that point with how he's been trending lately. A.J. Brown is the third round pick for Peter Overzet. So quarterback, running back, wide receiver for him. Mark Garcia followed Travis Kelsey with Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and then he's got Matt Ryan as QB 16 in round four. Justin Boone has two quarterbacks so far. Josh Allen in round one, Ryan Tannehill in round three as the QB nine, Saquon Barkley in between those guys, and Justin Jefferson most recently. Mike, how are you feeling about Ryan Tannehill? Because I got the, the takes from the other two guys last night. Yeah, I'm, I'm right kind of down the middle on Tannehill. Uh, I think the coordinator change is probably not great. The fact that Derrick Henry has been so successful, so prolific, and is still there, I think he's probably the alpha on that team. I mean, overall, you still have Vrabel. So I think probably we're talking about Henry mattering the most. Julio Jones has to stay on the field. If he does, I mean, that's fine. That's good. They're ahead of, I think, probably what they were last year with Corey Davis there, but it's still the Henry show, I think. Brown is tremendous. I, I feel like maybe what we saw last year from Tannehill was the peak. But, you know, if Henry goes down or if there's a change of philosophy there that we don't expect, that could be wrong. Uh, so I, I like the player okay, and I, I feel like I'm kind of down the middle on him. I'm certainly not avoiding Tannehill, but I'm neither in a rush to uh, grab him. How's that for a hot take? <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's really that hot takey a player. In one direction or the other. Some people are like, oh, why are you taking him after this guy? Some people are like, I don't really care about Ryan Tannehill. There's there's not a whole lot of fire coming from Tannehill camp on either side. Tom Brady went right behind him. I think they're similar, but Tannehill has the rushing upside. Tom Brady has better. Well, I don't know. Does he have, do you have Jared, does Tom Brady have better receivers at this point? I mean, you say that Tom Brady has yeah. better receivers than most people, but now that Tannehill's got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Well, Brady has better receivers because you're comparing Antonio Brown to Josh Reynolds at the third wide receiver spot, and Tom Brady has better tight ends. So, I mean, I, I think he pretty clearly has better weapons. That you know, the edge to Tannehill is is the rushing ability, where you know that's pretty non-existent for for Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. That's Chad Schroeder's team: Devonte Adams in round one, Derrick Henry in round two, Tom Brady in round three as the QB ten off the board. Then Joe Mixon in round four to his team. Probably happy to get Derrick Henry at RB six, Joe Mixon at RB fifteen. Both of those guys behind where they've been going in RB ADP. Dave Kluge's got Darren Waller, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, and then Trevor Lawrence is his first quarterback in round four. QB 15, um, pretty standard for Trevor Lawrence so far. Our boy Adam has started with Kyler Murray, then Zeke Elliott, then Matthew Stafford is QB 11. And Jared, I, I think he's probably happy to get Matthew Stafford as QB 11 because I believe he, he likes Stafford over Tannehill and at least on par with Brady. He does, um, and I like the two quarterback, two running back start here, but I think Adam's going to be kicked off the uh, DS staff for, for passing on Joe Mixon there. <laughs> I got 10 bucks. I know who he picks next. Oh, maybe we should. So you're not going to say it on here to ruin it for those drafting around him, right? Maybe you can write it down, and you can hold it up afterward. It could be like a <laughs> like an AGT magic trick. <laughs> if, you, if you watched our pros versus Joe's draft, you would know, and if you watched our – Deep end when he drafted a football guy's team, you would know it's the same guy. I made him the same offer 
uh, 10 bucks that night, but he, he did not pick this guy. But Adam's closest friends knows he loves him, and he's maybe 40% to make it back to him here. What a surprise pick. Like, it's not five. the guy that Overzat just took, is it? No. He, he likes Hawkinson. I, that's yeah, right. right. Yeah. By the way, can I just throw in on Tannehill one more thing that might be interesting uh-huh. there? And I don't know if this is different than last year, but their defense may be horrendous. And so does Tennessee, with a, with a new coordinator, become a team where when they're losing would throw the ball all the time? I mean, you could fall into some big numbers from them if that happens. I, I don't know. I feel like, I still feel like it's help, it's Henry's team. but Yeah, I um, mean, their defense wasn't great last year. Um, yeah, you know, right. they, they, they also have two games against the Texans. You know, they have two games against Jacksonville. I think, you know, that – that's not going to yeah. be a great defense. So. They scored I, like crazy last year. They scored like crazy. Yes, they did. They did. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if it was the Arthur Smith effect or if it's the talent that, that they have on offense. I'm, I'm curious to see what the Titans offense looks like this year. I, I think we'll get a similar pass run split. I think we'll get a similarly weak defense. Um, so it will be interesting to see how they choose to run things and how effective they are without Arthur Smith. Najee Harris was the fourth round pick that he took over Joe Mixon. I mean, I'm not taking Joe Mixon 100% of the time if I'm choosing between those two. What about you, Jared? No, I'm not. But, I mean, you know, in the DS invite, I'm taking the guy I like better. I'm not worried about, you know, exposure. So, it's Mixon for me. But, yeah, I mean, they're they're, they're close enough. Um, you know, Harris, even just watching that, that game tonight, the first couple of series, he just looks like a guy ready to take on, you know, 300, 320 touches this year. <laughs> he better be because I think that's what's coming at him. My, um, my, money, my money's on Cooper Cup. All right. So now we're about to see if Mike is on the money. Okay, yep. Yeah, that that would be a uh, DS-approved pick if it is Cup. <laughs> you it's guys would have to tell me how important that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly time for him, although it would be a little bit on the early side. We've seen some other players go yeah. similarly early so far. CD Lamb, by the way, we haven't gotten back to it yet, but the Chase the Helmet duo – followed their three quarterbacks by taking CeeDee Lamb even earlier than we've seen him go elsewhere. He's been wide receiver 11 in this competition so far. Now he's wide receiver nine off the board in this one. And lo and behold, Mike was correct. Uh, Adam took Cooper Cup in round five as his first wide receiver, as the 15th wide receiver off the board. So clearly likes Cooper Cup. Uh, I'm on board with liking Cooper Cup. He's in that range in my projections. Now, now to take Cup, you had to pass on Mike Evans, who, you know, every single stream, he's, you know, falling <laughs> at his feet. So. And, you know, Hall of Fame. Wait names, a minute. He's, still, he's nope. still out there. but Nobody checked him last night on saying, just matter-of-factly, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Do we know that? Does Mike? Do we know that Mike Evans is going to the Hall of Fame? Um, I mean, he's maybe. Maybe. He's, he's got a pace. ring now, if that matters. Yeah, he's on pace, I'd say, but he's got, you know, another eight years probably uh, to, to earn that. Right. I would say he's headed down that path as long as he doesn't have a Terrell Davis downfall. He should be in decent shape for it. But yes, I mean, Adam was complaining that Mike Evans was the 13th wide receiver off the board last night. And here he goes taking somebody else's wide receiver 15 instead of taking that obvious value and taking a shot that Cooper Cup gets back to him. Adam, you might have been able to get Mike Evans and Cooper Cup, and then you could just be laughing your way through the rest of the draft. But But he he drafted Stafford. True. Yeah. I push sure him in that direction, but That's still, it. that Jared, that could be an example of reaching for the stack over the guy that you like better. If that is Mike Evans, see, I, I mean, to me, they're they're close enough. You know, I I do have Evans, like you know, a spot or two higher, but they're close enough. Where if I have I have Stafford, I probably would have gone Cup there to, to get that stack. Speaking of the Rams, we don't see Henderson yet. 
We are how many running backs do we have off the board? We are at 17. RB17. So I mean he tends to be in the 20 to 25 range. We'll see how soon he goes. I'm not surprised that he's not gone yet. I do think he belongs a little bit higher than he has been in most drafts um, to this point. So tracking the picks again, um, we're going back to Adams Najee Harris pick. From there, we saw um Jalen Hurts go just before him to Matthew Friedman's team. That's George Kittle, Alvin Kamara, Clyde Edwards-Elair, then Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard for the Eagles stack there. I'm not even sure how to feel about an Eagles stack right now. There's so much going on. I mean, there are negative reports about multiple Eagles pass catchers at this point. Devontae Smith is out. Zach Ertz is still there, even if his natural hair color is not. Um, Nobody's excited about this passing game. I, I don't know. With Jalen Hurts, the 14th quarterback off the board here, Jared, what do you do? You think the, there's value in the stack that Matthew just got? I still think Hurts is slipping because of the Deshaun Watson rumors. Like, you know, he he was pretty consistently going around like quarterback nine or ten a month ago. Now I, I believe in all three of our drafts, he's gone like quarterback twelve or later. Um, I I still think if you know if, he, if he's the starter all year, I I feel pretty good saying he's going to beat quarterback fourteen just because of the rushing. Um, but I I think the risk that uh, you know, Watson comes in there and you know plays half the season is is hurting Hertz's ADP right now. Mm-hmm. I think on some of these teams, like most everybody's going to have numerous teams, and you want to you want to take that gamble on Hertz because you know there's that assumption that you're talking about and others that are negative toward him that don't have to be right. And in, in terms of Watson, you might also have Watson on a few of your teams for the same sort of logic because if he plays, if he's traded. I feel like it'd be incredible if he were on the field, but I talked to John Clayton today on WGR. John's prediction is that Watson plays this year and is suspended next year because they don't have, I mean, they don't have charges on him yet. He's not on the exempt list. He's been at training camp. So um, maybe Watson pays off too, whether it's on the Eagles or the Texans or someone else. And there's Evans to, yeah. uh, to Adam, so he's probably happy, even yeah, though it's yeah, not. Yeah. We, we we know Adam's players better than we know that it's actually him. Yeah, he just <laughs> he just up Evans instead of Evans Cup. Um, Mike, I, I missed a segment with uh, John Clayton. Did he did he have any insight on where he thinks Watson might be playing this season? He, he just said he thought he would be traded and that he would be playing this year, and that next year, once everything gets sort of played out in terms of the legal process, that he'd be suspended then. But. I mean, I don't know. It's it would be really ballsy for a team to put him on the field this year. And if the Eagles were to do that, like has been rumored, what does that mean for Hertz? I mean, Hertz is still a player, just like we look at him in fantasy as somebody with some prospects. You know, like mm-hmm. would uh, would that just be sort of they cut his legs out? And would the Texans play him? I mean, the Texans, I think we expect to have them draft somebody at the top of next year's draft. So I don't know. That was interesting about Tua as well. Thinking about Watson, like would Tua work for the Texans if they were sort of heading toward a a quarterback at the top next year? Maybe not. So it's been really tough to figure Watson out. No charges, no exempt list, safety at training camp. Who knows? (laughs) I I wonder, though, is the NFL – I mean, could we still see the NFL put him on the exempt list once we get closer to games? I don't – they're not out of that option, are they? No, no. And I would expect them to – That'd be my guess, but maybe something has to happen first that hasn't happened yet. To me, I think that they're just trying to put it off as long as they can and hope that the legal side of it 
um, does the work for them instead of them having to make a difficult decision, whether they let him play without charges or whether they put him on the exempt list without a criminal case uh, moving against him. So I, I think that they're trying to wait as long as they can. And I think that's but, but so Matt, Matt, like if, if he has 22 different people suing mm-hmm. him, right? Like if they had put him on the exempt list after three such lawsuits, who would have complained? You know, like what, what do they, what do they need? It's, I don't know what they need to be able to do that. Uh, so they could have done that a long time ago and who would have, who would have complained, right? Who would have criticized them? I don't, I don't know if you guys saw today, there was a, uh, one of the, uh, one of the, you know, woman who said she was assaulted, uh, you know, kind of came out on some YouTube shows or, you know, talking about it, giving some details, you know, that, that might play into the NFL's decision here, you know, if that kind of goes mainstream, you know, to, to get him on the exempt list. I, I'd be, I'd be surprised if the NFL lets Watson play with, you know, with all this hanging over his head still. Yeah, I don't think the NFL likes to make decisions on these things until it has to, and he's not playing any games at this point, so they don't feel like they have to. So they're probably putting it off as long as they can. Um, the the Jalen Hurts side, I was always surprised about the Tua rumors because it didn't make sense to me for the Dolphins to give up on Tua that quickly. Jalen Hurts to the Eagles, he was a second-round pick. He's now under a different coaching staff. So, I mean, he's the best that they have right now, but I don't think they have all that much invested in him. So I think if they have an opportunity in somebody that – you know, say what you want about the the off field stuff. If they believe that it's a good move for them, um, I can certainly see that happening. So the question then becomes whether Jalen Hurts goes back to the other way in that trade. You know, we'll see. We can't we can't really I don't know project that at this point. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. But getting back to some of the picks, I because uh, Mike, do you have something else on that? Point? I, I wanted to quickly get in and double down on my chips and put Overzet on Ayuk. <laughs> <laughs> you got the scattering reports on all these all these teams. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm wrong. Did something <laughs> did something happen to Jamar Chase in the last 20 minutes? Because I have not <laughs> seen him slip to you know wide receiver 25 as early as he'll go at this point. T. Higgins is off the board, so I'm just surprised that Chase is still sitting there. Yeah. I mean, we we've gotten nothing but negative stuff out of Cincinnati camp lately, so it doesn't surprise me to see him slip a little bit in a draft like this. And we we haven't even gotten to the point where he's actually slipping versus Price. We have gotten to the point, by the way, where the Chase the Helmet team. Started with Dak Prescott, added Russell Wilson, added Trey Lance, and then drafted two of Dak Prescott's wide receivers. CeeDee Lamb, we talked about, wide receiver nine in round four. Chris Godwin in round five. And then Amari Cooper at wide receiver 17 around that five, six turn. So we've got Dak, two Cowboys receivers uh, going on with that team. What do you think of that build so far, Jared? You know, I, I really don't like the third quarterback in the third round. I think I talked about it last night, just drafting a guy in the third round who, you know, what? one of your top three picks is going to be on your bench every week. I, to me, that's just not optimal. Now, he that team's going to be crushing a quarterback every week, but, you know, will that make up for the lack of depth? He's, you know, probably going to have a running back, it looks like, at this point because he's, he's solid at wide receiver. So now, I wasn't a fan of the Lance pick. You know, Lance, at quarterback 12 is fine with me, but just going three straight quarterbacks. Um, but Dak, the Dak-Lamb-Cooper stack, obviously, you know, that, that, that could be massive. Mm-hmm. I guess you do that there when you're drafting 11. Also, maybe somewhat concerned that team 12 is going to double up at quarterback or else you take Lamb or the, the receiver you want. Unless it was DeAndre Swift, I, su- I suppose, in that spot. So they didn't even want to wait two more picks for Lance. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, Lance is super exciting. He could you know easily beat that quarterback 12 price tag. It's, it, to me, it's just the structure of you know taking three straight quarterbacks. 
You guys, what do you guys think of Ayuk and then Higby here in these next two picks? <laughs> For Adam? <laughs> well, Adam? maybe Ayuk goes at uh, seven, eight. And uh, this is not really what you guys do. So you see, Adam I, yeah, and I are. I bet Adam, this, I bet Adam Zion Higby here. I, we're I in this bare knuckle challenge. And I, all I'm doing now with you got watching your shows is trying to predict everything. <laughs> so I got to be careful uh, that I have to remember that I'm I'm on the show with you because uh, that could be annoying. I started looking for where Ayuk and Higby were on the board because I, I thought you were asking about picks that have been made instead of picks that were in your future. No, I thought maybe that would be, I mean, if you like Sutton more, that's fine. But Adam and I picked Stafford, Cup, Higby in uh, pros versus Joe. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him do that here. It's time and he doesn't have his tight end yet. So maybe. Mm-hmm. Now, Jared, the team next to Jay Reed and Scott Connor, uh, Ben Gretsch's team has three quarterbacks as well through his first six picks. Did not go about it the same way that the Chase the Helmet duo did. Uh, Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs in the first two rounds, Joe Burrow in the third is QB 13 off the board. DeAndre Swift uh, around that turn, that's a 3-4 turn, Joe Burrow, and then DeAndre Swift as the RB 13. So clearly Ben Gretsch believes in DeAndre Swift's outlook this year. And then Baker Mayfield to a Tango Vailoa at the next turn, QB 20, QB 21. What do you think of that group to start off his team? Yeah, I think that's fine. You know, spending fifth and sixth round picks on your second and third quarterbacks versus second and third round picks. I mean, you know, Ben is, you know, probably hoping that Baker and Tua kind of combine to give him, you know, solid scores out of the, out of that second quarterback spot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure he's looking for all three of them. I don't think that Joe Burrow is that far ahead of those guys. He might be, I think the ceiling for Joe Burrow is that far ahead of those guys, but I don't know. The way things are sounding, it might be that trio trying to get two starting quarterback scores every week. On the other side of those guys that are sitting at that turn, Matthew Friedman still sitting on the one quarterback with Jalen Hurts, uh, which seems like a risky one quarterback to sit on right now. But he has followed the Dallas Goddard pick with DJ Moore and then Travis Etienne as his third running back in round seven. RB23, a decent spot for Travis Etienne. There's been a lot over the past couple – maybe not a lot. Maybe I just – have happened to see it, but multiple people over the past couple of days have talked about James Robinson, quote unquote, clearly being the starting running back in Jacksonville still. What do you think about that, Mike? Well, it's really tough. Um, Robinson probably deserves it, but that was much easier to call the night before the NFL draft mm-hmm. because once they make that pick, everything is is kind of blown up. Um, I, I like Robinson a lot. It was almost, it's, he's a sentimental choice for me because I had him in a lot of spots and really enjoyed his season. I feel like a guy like that deserves at least another year, you know, uh, in, a, in a, an important role. He's not going to have that kind of usage again, but still. But ETN, it, it doesn't really have to go that well. Like, it doesn't have to go extremely well for ETN to pay off here, right? Like, we know he's a game-breaker. We know they want to throw it to him. The quarterback, I mean, he's a great prospect, an all-time great prospect. So if they use him at all in the in the running in the running game, then he's live. I, I'd like to see Robinson go right now too, because I think Robinson is is worth it. But ETN is is live, and especially in a tournament, you I mean you could really shoot high with him. So very tough team, I think, to figure out. Plus, Chark and Chenault and Marvin Jones. I mean. I don't know. There's a lot of different outcomes there. I think you'd like to see James Robinson go now just because it would be that close to ETN. It'd be more fun to see what happens to those guys versus each other. But I try to see ETN. Maybe he's Chase Edmonds this year. And I don't know if that's 
a bad thing or a good thing, but maybe they line up as Travis E.T. or I'm, I'm sorry, as Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake for the Cardinals last year. What do you think about that, Jared? I think we've been reading different stuff coming out of Jacksonville because I've seen a lot of Travis Etienne buzz uh, in, in the past week. You know, not necessarily that he's you know running ahead of Robinson River. I haven't really seen anything as far as that goes. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, we get some clues in the preseason about how they're going to use those guys. But man, I'm I'm buying Etienne at like a, you know running back twenty three price. Like I, I just one, I think he's a good player, and two, they, they spent a first round pick on on him. You know, how, how many running backs are first round picks? You know, in in this day and age, and then you know don't come in and play a big role. Or out of the gate. So I think, you know, Robinson could still get his 10, 12 carries per game, but I think ETN's going to see that much and also, you know, handle most of the pass catching work. And that's why I stopped myself on a, a lot of buzz because it can, it, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit dangerous this time of year. You can hear two people say it really strongly and it seems like more than it is because other people then amplify that. So I don't know. I, maybe it's not a lot of buzz. Maybe I just happen to catch the couple people who think that James Robinson is working as the clear uh, starting running back there. Well, one one such person might have been Jay Moyer, who <laughs> has been on our deep end show, and that's a very respectable voice, I think. I mean, even the beat writer stuff, who knows what they're getting and where they're getting it? Like if they're okay. watching the whole practice or they've got some, some coach that they're trading access with, who knows? Like when it's somebody like Jay who's, who's independent, I feel like that carries more weight. It doesn't have to be right, but that's an informed opinion. So some of the beat writer stuff is laughable. I mean, you read about – whether oh, oh this player has a chance to play this player um you know is still on Andy Dalton is still on track to be the starter which means what that they haven't officially announced that he's not like it's just a lot of that stuff is just worthless um but you know Jacksonville is kind of a puzzle they're they're one of these teams that's tough to figure out right now yeah I'm looking for beat writer reports on what is actually going on at this point I try to skip the beat writer predictions about what's going to happen because I think that some of them take a little bit too much I don't know leeway in producing those yeah Boston Scott's not going to see the same number of touches as, as Miles Sanders this year you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but yeah I, I think I too with the training camp stuff it's the you know it's the drum beat thing and I don't know who came up with that term first but you want you want, you know, Elijah Moore is, you know, every beat writer watching Jets practices is telling us Elijah Moore, you know, looks like the best player on the field. Um, Trey Lance, kind of same thing. So that you, you want to look for the consistently positive reports from multiple sources. I think that that's when you can start to buy in. Before we get back to Adam's team here, can I say I think Matt Freeman's team is the probably the prettiest build and just how the draft board stacks <laughs> up with the, the way all the colors are working together. It's like an Italian cookie. Um <laughs> Adam, though, has gotten, I think, several players that Mike probably expected him to take. At least Higby, I think, collectively, we expected him to land with Adam's team. So just to recap his team, Kyler Murray, Zeke Elliott, Matthew Stafford, Najee Harris, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver 27 in round seven, and then Tyler Higby at tight end nine in round eight. Mike, any of those guys surprise you, or were you expecting them to land with him? I think it's kind of cool that he gambled on Higby through the turn and, and he won on that. And that's probably true of Evans too. So if he, I don't know how he's thinking, but if he's been thinking sort of in those terms to think at the, at the nine, you have to, you have to do that. Sometimes he's been, he's probably, he probably say he's been successful in that way. We should be coming up on the Samuels pretty soon here, right? Like, uh, you know, he those guys, know, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. And Kareem Hunt should be pretty soon. Yes. Again, I'm just practicing for that for that night. <laughs> you yeah, need a I mean, 
if you know if Adam gambled that Higby was going to make it back, I, I don't think it was a great bet because you look at the draft board. Like you, you could have guessed that Friedman wasn't going to take a tight end, but you know Jay Reed and Scott Connor and Ben Gratch. I'm surprised that you know those four picks pass pass without you know either of them taking the tight end. But you know that, that said, not to not to blow smoke up his, up his butt, but I, I think Adams built a nice team here. You know, pretty well balanced. There, yeah, he's. You know, no, no weakness at any position right now. No, I don't say stuff like that out loud. He's not going to let you forget that there are no weaknesses. He it, loves the Rams. Wasn't he a Tyler Higby buyer last year in drafts, or was that not the case? Yes, big time. So uh, it's. I think it's interesting when you see somebody who's who eschews the idea that this guy burned me last year. I'm going to go mm-hmm. back to him. That's certainly the sign, I think, of an experienced player that you can overlook a player letting you down last year and focus on what could be this year. For sure. Next yeah. to Adam, we've got Dave Kluge's team. We had Darren Waller, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields at QB 19. That's seven spots in QB position beyond where Trey Lance went. Of course, Justin Fields is not getting the, they can't keep him out of the starting lineup buzz in San Francisco, like uh, in San Francisco, but you know, we'll see what happens there. That's Deontay Johnson, right? Some of the D Johnsons get a little confusing here, but Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton, Kenny Galladay, the first three receivers for his team. Um, any particular thoughts on that roster so far, Mike? You know, uh, I, I like the, his trust in the rookie quarterbacks. Sutton and Galladay are both guys where you kind of you have a little bit of concern, but they're both high-end producers when they're on the field, or they, or they can be. Waller has just become a force in drafts. I mean, almost in any format. Now he's almost first round in any format. I mean, maybe not like in your traditional, he's second round though. So that's interesting. And as Jared, I think pointed out, Aaron Jones is top five in running backs again tonight. Wasn't he like fifth or sixth overall uh, the first night? So I'm fine there too. So, um, so yeah, I think he's pretty solid. He doesn't have the pretty pattern that you like. But uh, he's got the same positions filled mostly. Um, Chad Schroeder's team next to him. You got Noah Fan at tight end 10, which I think is good value. Miles Sanders at RB22. I think that's good value there, too. Adam Thielen down in the 20s again tonight, like last night. So it was a night one blip for him going wide receiver 13 in that draft. Kirk Cousins at QB18, solid value. It seems to me, if you just go through every one of his picks, Chad's scooping value, basically, Jared. That's what I was gonna say. It's not. It's not like a a sexy team, but man, Miles Sanders at RB twenty two, Adam Thielen wide receiver twenty one. I agree. Noah Fant, you know, tight end ten. You know, I, I think I have him like a spot higher, but you know, getting Noah Fant one two, you know, basically three rounds later than Dallas Goddard, kind of same deal with Higby. I think those guys should be going a lot closer together. So yeah, I, I think I definitely think Chad has gotten a lot of value at his picks. Yeah, Noah Fant's ahead of uh, Dallas Goddard on my board, so I'm taking him much earlier than this, so I certainly like seeing him there. Uh, on the tight ends, we saw Logan Thomas again go tight end eight in this draft to Nick Bakai's team. That's in round seven, so also, what, a full round um, ahead of where Higby went at tight end nine and Noah Fant at tight end ten, so I don't know. Maybe I'm going to wind up wrong about Logan Thomas, or maybe I'm going to wind up very right. I guess we'll, we'll see where that goes. I have to say, I have gotten to be down on Washington. I just, there's a lot of hype there with Washington. And I think a lot of it, not a lot of it, some of it is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is so well liked. (laughs) But he is almost 40. He's never been on a playoff team. And there's this, I think, this underlying notion that Ryan Fitzpatrick has entered into that organization is going to save them, is going to elevate them. 
from the status that they had before when Alex Smith, who's had an excellent record, if you care, I mean, it's worth something maybe in his career, he couldn't, that he could not do. So, I mean, there's just so much with Fitzpatrick, like you look at it a little bit closer and Tua threw more downfield passes or was it 20 yard passes last year than, than Fitz. Like he's got this reputation, just mm-hmm. he's going to bail you out. And I, I don't know, like that, that's just never happened where the team was good. So I think fantasy wise, it's, it's okay, but I would not be surprised if Washington really disappointed and, you know, Logan Thomas could fall into that McLaurin who, who knows? I mean, I, I like Gibson. I think Gibson is, is really strong, but team wise, I'm not in love. And hey, Mike, have you ever heard of the YouTube show? Zach Morris is trash where they go back to episodes of Saved by the Bell and they point out what a jerk Zach Morris was to everyone around him and how even though he was the popular guy and the center of attention, he was actually bringing down everybody near him. I, it makes me think of Ryan Fitzpatrick getting to Washington where everybody's like, oh, finally the savior has arrived. Quarterback play has been awful, but now we've got the 40-year-old guy that has barely started four full seasons in his career, and he's better than – what was there last year, but it's not a savior. Well, what was the plan, right? Like they they had Haskins who was bombing and then Alex Smith comes back in. The plan is you want to get to the top of the draft and they, their defense was great and the division was terrible and they couldn't get to the top of the draft. So now they have this team that's like a division champion with some good players on it. What do you do? And they just, I don't know, like it was not going to be Mac Jones, I guess, or some other plan. They didn't do what San Francisco did, and they signed Fitzpatrick out of free agency. So I just – all I'm saying is I don't think it has to work. And there's mm-hmm. this notion, especially in a weak division, that it will. We'll see. I mean, you, I, he, he's, a, a, he's good, a fun guy. You made a good point there, too, about their defense being very strong. So I, you know, I just don't think that's going to be a shootout team, you know, which is kind of what we want. Um, I, don't know, I, I'm kind of, I guess I'm – a bit more optimistic about Washington than it sounds like you guys are. I do think, you know, Fitz is a better fantasy quarterback than a real life quarterback. You know, he, he's like the older Jameis Winston where, you know, he's, you know, he might not win you a bunch of games. He's going to make some mistakes, but I also think, um, you know, he at least you know, at one point had the ability to kind of elevate, you know, some of his pass catchers. Maybe he, he doesn't at this point anymore. Like you said, he's almost 40, which is crazy to me. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize he was that old, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, it's going to be tough for Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, and Logan Thomas. I think to all pay off at their ADPs because you know they're all they're all going you know within the top twelve or so at their positions. He's like me; he hides his age with this boyish enthusiasm. <laughs> exactly, he Justin is. Brewer. He'll be thirty nine in November. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So he's almost as old as I am, even so. Um, Justin Boone, right next to the team that we were just talking about uh, in Chad Schroeder. He is one of three teams that's still without a tight end. So he's got Josh Allen from round one, Saquon Barkley, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Jefferson, Chris Carson, Julio Jones, Jamar Chase at wide receiver 25, right in the range where he tends to go. Mike Davis, who's awful at RB 25 and Trey Sermon the next round at RB 29. Kidding kind of about Mike Davis, but I've made my case against him uh, enough times so far. Jared, are you surprised that Justin's gotten this far without taking a tight end? Do you see any opportunities where maybe you would have swapped out somebody for a tight end? Um, I mean, yeah, I, w- I would have considered Higby and Fant in round seven there. Although, you know, again, Jamar Chase at wide receiver 25, I think that's where he should be going. You, you see him going wide receiver 16, 17 in some drafts. And, you know, there's only 10 tight ends off the board. So it's not like Boone's in trouble at the mm-hmm. position yet. 
Although right. that is a position that kind of it gets watered down pretty quickly thereafter. Yep, that's fair. Yeah, um, he might have been on Higby or Fant when that happened. He's at four running backs already. Mm-hmm. So, but the chase point is, the, I think, the right point. I don't know when he would have taken one before. It's such a key thing in these drafts, you know, like when do you get that first tight end? When do you take care of that? It's sometimes really tough to do depending on the flow and where you're picking. So what's he looking at now? Ingram or Gesicki at this point? You know, it's. The hard chase this season three. is going to be very interesting either way. I, I would have personally taken Noah Fant in that spot and left Jamar Chase for somebody else. It's, you know, it's an okay spot value wise. I just don't think we're going to get a special season from Jamar Chase. Um, but, you know, no, no big argument against that decision there. Josh Jacobs, RB21, I think Josh Jacobs has a chance to be, I, I don't know, maybe, Jared, what you think that Travis Etienne could be. I think Josh Jacobs has the upside to be even a top seven running back this year from where he's going. Well, he he was last year. You know, he, he scored a bunch of touchdowns. And, you know, he was near or he might have been even at the top of the league and, like, carries inside the five or carries inside the ten. Um I don't know, it's just, you know, he's he's not going to do much in the passing game. The Raiders' line, I think, is going to take a step back this season. They lost a couple stars from last year. I don't think it's going to be a great football team. And I do think, I mean, all the talk is Kenny Drake's just going to you know play a pass catching role and you know basically just steal the stuff that you know Jalen Rashard and Devontae Booker did last year. I I, th- I do think he's you know more of a threat to Jacobs you know early down stuff than any back that's been there you know over the past two years behind Jacobs. I mean, I guess it's fair to say that he's more of a threat than Devontae Booker, but it doesn't sound like the Raiders are looking to threaten Josh Jacobs. So I guess I'm just not uh, worried about that. And I I like Josh Jacobs at where he's going. Um, Next to him, let's look at Peter Overzet's team. We've got Patrick Mahomes in round one, as we mentioned, Jonathan Taylor, uh, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, T.J. Hawkinson at tight end six, which I think is strong value in a tight end premium format. Um, you, you could have taken him at the McLaurin spot before that, and it mm-hmm. would have been just fine ahead of Kyle Pitts. And by the way, while we're talking about tight ends, I mean, the first couple nights, there was not a whole lot of separation between tight end three, George Kittle, and tight end four, Kyle Pitts. There was a lot of separation between those guys in this one with George Kittle getting into round one and then Kyle Pitts at the beginning of round four. Mike, where are you at on Kyle Pitts these days? Very exciting. I think it'll be interesting when we we get to a point where we're talking about whether he shouldn't be called a tight end. I mean, that could happen real early. Once your season starts, you know, depending on the platform, he's gonna he's gonna be a tight end. I think RT may maybe wrote something about we have the right to change this, just so you know. Wow. Uh, so that'll be interesting. But I want to buy in. I don't really care in his case what rookie tight end history is like. There aren't many that have been. No one has been drafted as high. And it's more of a passing league. Like, I just think, I mean, I care, I respect it, but I am not undermined by it. So I, I want to be on board. And then like in this fourth round, there are probably teams that if they were my team, I would have done that. When he when he's going 301 or 303, you know, I, I'm not going to outrace those people to pits. But in this draft, you know, Jay and Scott, like I think there are teams where uh, that could have that could have looked really good. Even even Adam, I don't know. Like I, I don't want to pick a, a, a player out and, and play mm-hmm. that game, but I, I'd like him in round four. In this format, I mean, I would definitely be ready to take him in the fourth round. 
I think, though, that we know Atlanta is never going to call him a wide receiver because then they would have to pay him more when it comes to franchise tag time, just like we had with the Saints and, and Jimmy Graham, where he was trying to argue he was a wide receiver, and they're like, no, you're a tight end buddy, and the NFL is like, hey, team is your employer. you got to listen to him. So I think he's going to be a tight end for fantasy. Uh, we'll see where the numbers go. I, I'm, I, I'm still wary of Kyle Pitts, where he's going, but, you know, I get the argument. You've never seen a guy drafted that high at the position, so – why not say that he can put up numbers that we've never seen that high at the position? Of course, the next highest drafted tight end was TJ Hawkinson. So, you know, he went a little thereafter. Not a whole lot of separation between Andrews and Hawkinson versus Pitts in this one, less so than in a lot of other drafts. So, you know, we'll see where Kyle Pitts goes. Getting back to that Overzet team, T. Higgins, a wide receiver, 23, Ryan Fitzpatrick, QB 24, which, you know, we just started talking negatively about Washington. I think QB 24 is a fine range for Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's certainly capable of finishing something like quarterback 18, 17 and being worthwhile there. Tyler Boyd, wide receiver, 33. So two Bengals wide receivers to that team, even though he didn't have Joe Burrow on it, maybe because he doesn't have Joe Burrow on it. Taysom Hill at QB 27 to Peter Overzet's team. And I believe that's with Jameis Winston still on the board, right, Jared? It is, and I I, I think Hill went earlier last night too. And you know, I, it's not it's not crazy because at this point, I mean, it, Winston hasn't separated from Hill from everything I've read out of Saints camp. It seems like they've played pretty even evenly. They're splitting first team reps evenly. So I guess I'd still call Winston the favorite, but I'm not as confident as I was a month ago. And I think definitely, you know, Hill is going to be a better fantasy bet if he's starting than Winston just because of the rushing stuff. So, um, you know, he'll at quarterback 27, I, I think is fine. And Pete, by the way, going with a very similar strategy as he used last year, you know, last year he took the running back in the first round and then basically ignored the position tonight. He takes his RB in the second round and then basically ignores the position for the next uh, nine picks. I'd like to say that I, I'm not afraid to take Jonathan Taylor. I mean, in round one, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. not in the first round here, but in general, yeah, I, I wouldn't really be dinging him too much, if at all. I mean, the, the premise is supposed to be that Wentz is good, is actually good, and he's just not, in my mind. I mean, no, no, this could be looked at either way in this argument. No running back on a Wentz team has ever been that successful, fantasy-wise. I mean, Ryan Matthews, maybe, and then Miles Sanders a little bit. Wentz came out. I, I don't think Taylor really has to be affected. Quentin Nelson could mean something in that. There's also some chance that one or both of those players is on the field by like week one or two. So I, I feel like Taylor is excellent. And maybe in drafts, you have an opportunity here when people overreact to an injury to a, a bad quarterback. I mean, maybe maybe they're not better at quarterback without Wentz, but they're not going to be that much worse, I think. They, they did go out and get him. But I, I think I like Taylor a lot, and I, I would be fine with him at running back six or seven. Yeah, I think to that point, um, I, Taylor has actually gotten a little bit more attractive for me because now he's getting into the middle of round two. Um, and I don't know that his situation changed a ton because of the Carson Wentz stuff. I wasn't taking him in round one, but when he's in the middle of round two, I think he's more attractive. We're going to bring Adam in now. We've talked about his team. Maybe he's got some words on his own team for us. Adam, how do you think things are going right now? I mean, you tell me, you guys drafted my whole team for me, right? I mean, <laughs> Mike was calling those out a round and a half ahead of time. I mean, I guess exciting. it didn't matter too much. <laughs> how many how many drafts have you guys done together now? That's listen, we this is what we do. We we, we talk we talk draft. So this is three. 
We did pros versus Joes as a team. Yeah. And then Adam did a football guys where I just commented. Yep. Yep. So uh, listen, Mike guys, has we're... actually been sitting here predicting your picks since I think three thirty this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> on, on GR, yeah, I went through the whole. Yeah, that's right. I did a whole mock draft. I did a whole crack rock mock mock draft. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a second? How do I get crack rock on there? What is going on? That's bizarre. Don't you work here? Creating everything. Right. Take, it, yeah, take it up with the commissioner. That's right. So, Adam, were there any players that surprised you in getting to where you took them? How hard was it for you to pass on Mike Evans at the Cooper Cup spot? Yeah, it was super hard because, um, you know, I heard Mike talking about it earlier. Uh, Evans is one of the Hall of Fame, right? So uh, it's hard to pass on him there. But, yeah, I did it for the for the stack. And, I, plus, I love, I love, love Cooper Cup. So – I want to say I was shocked that Evans fell back to me when I was over 19, but every podcast I talk about how awesome he is and how he always lasts too long. So, but I was shocked to see Evans fall there. And the other player that I was shocked to see fall was what was Higby. Um, even though he only went as tight at nine, which is normally where he goes, but in this, he's been going a little bit later. Um, so, but still the two teams behind two of the teams behind me didn't have a tight end. So mm-hmm. um, I was thrilled to see Higby last thrilled to see, cause in the, you know, you just, you can't get everybody that you want, but in this, I kind of did. Um, so yeah, I'm super happy with the way it's gone, gone so far. Yeah. I don't have the previous two drafts in front of me to see how the tight ends fell, but it seems like they're slipping a little bit with nine and 10 going in round eight of tonight's draft. Uh, I don't, I think that I would probably like to get to that point of tight end a little bit earlier. I mean, it's tough to go back through individual picks and place them in earlier rounds. Um, how are you feeling about Ayuk? Because you already mentioned the two wide receivers ahead of him. What are your feelings on Ayuk, a guy we talked about uh, last night? Yeah, um, like like we were talking, I, I want to get a little bit more uh, shares of him. And I was surprised to see that overs I didn't take him. I'm wondering if it's like doing the opposite of what I'm doing. So like he takes them all the time. So maybe he's passing on him here um, to get less exposure, whereas I want more exposure. But I think he went at a fair – uh, I'm on the clock here, so or in a second, so I'm not looking at the board. But I think he went at a fair price, maybe wide receiver 27 or something. Yep. Um, so I think that I think that's fine. And then I was I able to get. Let me look. Was yep. I able Debo to, two yeah, rounds I got, later. And I got Debo. Yeah. So I love that stack. That their their strength of schedule is awesome. So if they can stay healthy, I've got a lot of that passing game. And then I'm going to. And then Raheem Mostert, the turn after that. So clearly you're a 49ers fan all of a sudden this season. Yeah. And I guess I'm a, I'm guess I'm a Patriots tight end fan now too, because I was able to stack Henry and Janu. So I think I'm, I'm done at, I'm done at tight end for sure. I think Um, unless unless there's some crazy value later on, but yeah, I think I'm, I think now I'm rock solid at tight end and, um, and now I'm going to just pound, uh, pound running back and receiver for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that this draft is not even half over yet, so you got to make sure that you stay awake for it. The show <laughs> is the show is more than half over. Oh yeah, 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 that's for sure. Yeah, we've probably got another uh, twenty-five minutes or so, maybe less, depending on what's going on and how sleepy Jared looks um, on the stream. But you'll be able to follow the draft board still on the Draft Sharks Discord. These guys are going to be drafting through round twenty-five, so plenty more picks to go uh, in this one. We just got Adam's pick live where he stacked Hunter Henry with Johnu Smith, tight end 13, tight end 16. Solid spots for those guys. We'll see how things sort out there. Um, of course, somebody else got Cam Newton, so no stack for you on those tight ends. That might have been a, a few too many Patriots. Mike, what you got? Did you think about Winston there, Adam? 
I did, but then I thought about him trying to run through those cones. Today, <laughs> he could. He looked. He looked like I would probably look. Special today. opportunity after that. That video comes out. That's right. So, um, no, I. I. It's hard because I did click on the quarterback tab, and I just. Like it's really hard in these in these super flex drafts when all the quarterbacks are gone, and I was like, man, I can take a really viable tight end or a really viable, you know, running back or receiver, and I'm looking at like a second string quarterback possibly or a a guy in a timeshare is competing. So it's hard, you know. The whole idea of taking two quarterbacks in the first three rounds is so that I don't have to make that decision and 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 reach for someone like like Winston um so yeah I mean if, if the price is right in the in the coming rounds here I'll, I'll I'll pull the trigger but I wanted to kind of double down on that advantage of taking two early quarterbacks to be able to not have to do that here yeah and, it, and it's and it's and it's yeah. it's super flex best ball so you don't need to start two quarterbacks right best ball and you have you know 25 roster spots so you can build in depth where you know even even on Stafford's bye week or even if Stafford throws up a dud um, if you if you're strong enough at the other positions, you can you know get a solid score out of that super flex spot. Yeah. Do you think that being a flag football quarterbacking legend yourself makes it more difficult to settle for a, a lower level QB? Um, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. But what did you guys think? I did. I was kind of shocked to see. I don't know if you guys talked about this yet. The running backs. I feel did they fall tonight more than they normally did? I mean. I had yeah. my choice of Najee Harris and Mixon in the fourth round. I thought that was pretty wild. You chose wrong, by the way. Did I? You know, <laughs> the, the the Bengals, nothing but negative stuff coming out of Bengals camp, I feel like. Nothing yeah. about Mixon, but just the Bengals in general. And I get a chance to lay my feast my eyes on Najee Harris tonight. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably it. Bet on the Bengals. Bet on the Bengals before the next news cycle. That is true. Well, that's my thing with the shares question is, you know, we talk a lot about exposures and you try to get exposure to everybody. But even when you're choosing for a single team, I mean, I don't see a whole lot of difference between Joe Mixon and Najee Harris, at least at this point, without knowing how things are going to go inside the season. They're both workhorses on teams that could have issues or could be fine. They're going to get plenty of work. So, I mean, I don't know. It's one or the other for me at this point. I want to see Jameis and Mooney here from Nick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what I want from Nick. Come on, Nick. The Schwam. Well, I'd hate to break it to you, but Nick took Cole Beasley, so it wasn't it wasn't Jameis. Oh, the next guy took Mooney and Winston. Missed. Yeah. yeah, bare knuckle, bare knuckle. Yo, Mike's yeah. ready. Let's let's go. <laughs> All right. Right after Adam decided to load up on 49ers, um, Dave Kluge followed his three wide receiver run with another wide receiver, Antonio Brown at wide receiver 37. That's the second straight night that he's gone inside the top 40. So maybe he's climbing in general. Jared, have you seen Antonio Brown climbing in ADP elsewhere? I haven't noticed whether he's gotten above 40 in those areas. There have been a lot of uh, play-by-play tweets of Antonio Brown catching touchdowns from Tom Brady early in training camp. So I'm guessing that, you know, nudged his ADP up three or four spots. I feel like I've seen more. uh, Why did anybody shoot a video of that clips this year? than other years. I, I know that that's a thing all the time, but it's like, here is running back drills and the guys are like, and they catch a ball. I I don't know. I think people are getting a little, maybe overexcited about getting to see football in person again and being impressed by things that shouldn't impress anybody. <laughs> um, Dave followed the wide receivers with Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman for the stack there. If we do get Carson Wentz back early in the season, that could be a nice cheap stack 
that would have gone earlier in this draft had we not had the foot injury for Carson Wentz. Adam, are you scared of the Carson Wentz Michael Pittman stack here? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. But and it's too bad. I, I really did want some some Pittman, uh, but uh, I think I'm gonna. I mean, there's still time. There's still th- three weeks to see what happens, and uh, I might have to get my shares closer to when the season starts. Campbell. That's right. Shh. Jared, I think that Chad Schroeder is still scooping value on his team after the Noah Fant pick. He's got Derek Carr at QB 28. He's got Mike Williams at wide receiver 43. Irv Smith, who I know is probably value to you at tight end 12. Uh, you like him better than I do. And is that is that Marvin Jones at wide receiver 53 that you just got? It is, yep. Uh, yeah, Marvin Jones, undervalued every year. I mean, I, I, you know, people don't want to hear it because, you know, there's a lot of buzz on Chark and Chanel, and I'm excited about those guys too. But I, I think there's a – decent chance that Marvin Jones leads that team in targets this season. Um, yeah, and I mean, but, even yep. beyond Jaguars, we've got Marvin Jones in round 12. We've got Kenny Galladay in round eight. They're 22 spots apart in wide receiver ADP. Would it shock anybody here if Marvin Jones outscored Kenny Galladay? No. No, it wouldn't shock me. It's football. <laughs> right. Time for It should be time for Zach Ertz pretty soon. Um, Robert Tunyon went inside the top 12 again, and – I think it's noteworthy that Robert Tunyon has gone inside the top 12 the past two nights to a couple of guys who tend to do well in the accuracy rankings, Jared, to Justin Boone tonight, to John Paulson last night. I mean, I wonder if uh, – I guess there's some rebound on Robert Tunyon now that we do have Aaron Rodgers back in Green Bay. Well, Paulson's a Packers fan, so you know that might have something to do with that. Um, but, I mean, you you need a volume boost from, from Tunyon if he's going to pay off because he, he's not going to score touchdowns at that rate again. I mean, he, he, he could get the volume boost. Like, you know, he is still an ascending player. I've read some positive stuff on him. The, the coaching staff has been talking him up over the past couple of weeks and just how much he has improved. So, it, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's possible with Rodgers back there now. And yeah, he's still a good touchdown bet. I mean, you know, Rodgers is going is to throw 30 plus touchdowns and they're not all going to go to Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. And Justin was one of the longest waits on the first tight end, then started with Tunyon as his 11th in round 11. I would not have guessed that in round 11 you would find the 11th tight end off the board, followed with Adam Troutman. So that's another upside guy. We'll see what happens with the Saints folks. Um, the uh, the other two teams that waited as long, one still doesn't have any tight ends. That's the Jay Reed and Scott Connor team. Next to them, uh, Mike Jacecki at tight end 14, Evan Ingram at tight end 15. So – for Ben Gretsch, that's another solid pair after you wait a while. That's the 11-12 turn, getting tight end 14 and 15, and a couple guys who both have top 12 finishes behind them, so you can certainly see that the upside is there. Well, you know, if you ever watch Ship Chasing, you have Pete and Ben in this draft, and neither one has RB2 yet, and it's not at all surprising. <laughs> right? You think like, it's you, a competition between them now to see might who can wait longer to get the second one? It might be. There might be a, a, a another show going up against the Olympics uh, where they're talking about who can outlast the other as far as that goes. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. The other the other thing it looks like Ben has done is he's been double dipping on positions. You know, he goes two wide receivers at one, two. He goes two quarterbacks at five, six. You know, he takes all those wide receivers and he double dips at tight end. I, I kind of like that when you're on the turn, you know, just, uh, you know, fortifying one position with those two picks when, you know, you know you have to wait a long time before your next turn comes up. Yeah, and I'm sure it's a matter of, of the tiers, how they fall for him there, knowing what, what has a chance to make it back to him and what doesn't. So I, I think it's working out well. Um, got the quarterbacks that we mentioned earlier. Got the tight ends most recently. The wide receivers you just talked about, um, Odell Beckham, LaVisca Chenault, Will Fuller, DJ Chark, 
upside to all those guys. And he started with Tyree Kill and Stephon Diggs, so he can afford to have them play around with who's putting up spike weeks. Um, next to the Justin Boone team, we had Mark Garcia, who has followed his quarterbacks. He had a surprising pick that we never really got to in round five. Deshaun Watson, QB 17 off the board. So I think that's Mark playing for the possibility of that trade to Philly, don't you think, Jared? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, what, 72 teams are we at now, or is it even more than that? But, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's trying to win the whole thing. And if Watson plays the full season, I mean, that that's a smash pick. And even if you get 12 games out of him, you know, he's probably going to beat a quarterback 17 ADP. Now, are you surprised that after waiting for the 16th uh, quarterback and then taking Watson as a 17th, that Mark then waited until QB 30 with Jared Goff in round 10 to take his third? Does that surprise you, Mike? No, this is your game theory guy, right? Yeah. So he's playing, uh, you know, against the assumption that Watson will be suspended and he's not on that list. We've already covered that. Uh, six running backs through 13 is is hefty. Um, Brandon Cooks is somebody I thought we would talk about uh, tonight maybe. He was, I think, wide receiver 40 last night and 32 here. You know, you mentioned, and I like the point last night, Matt, about Kittle. Like, there, he's a player where there'd be a, a wide range of opinions. I think so is Cooks. I mean, if you give Houston any credit for being able to throw the ball in losing efforts, and that's got to set up great for for Brandon Cooks. I mean, Nico Collins will be drafted tonight too, and maybe also him. But you know, it's pretty thin. Um, and Taylor, if Taylor's the quarterback, one thing he did, maybe Adam is ready to smack me for this. I don't know, but I, I thought Taylor threw a beautiful deep ball. They just didn't do a lot of it. I mean, they were a run first team under Rex. So he, he can, he can deliver that ball. I don't know how long it'd be on the field. I, I think cooks is, is live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like him in, in these rounds where you're putting him up against guys who are hurt or guys who are third or fourth options. Yeah, no, he definitely threw a great deep ball. He was always good. Um, uh, he was from what the, quarterback people were saying was he was always good when he didn't have to throw with anticipation so a lot of those deep balls you just there's open space throw it there and hopefully Sammy Watkins can go get it right so um so yeah he does throw he does throw a very nice deep ball he's good at buying time for that too so yeah maybe um maybe if a doctor doesn't puncture his lung again we'll be able to see uh what he can do with Brandon Cooks this year I mean Cooks is just a talented receiver who's like a lock for 120 plus targets and he might get like 140 targets so Wide receiver 32 is about where I think he should go. He, he does usually go, you know, eight to 12 wide receiver spots after that. And he's been traded multiple times. How many guys get traded multiple times? He probably should be traded again. When he puts up 1,000 yards wherever he goes, too. It's like four different teams yeah. now. He's gone for 1,000 yards at, at every spot. Like, if, if Houston really wants to do this, they should trade Brandon Cooks to a team that loses a guy. I mean, the Saints have already lost somebody. <laughs> They've already also had Brandon Cooks. So I don't know. Maybe he sort of looks uh, lucks out in that way too, fantasy wise. I'm sure he wishes he could get traded to a different spot at this point. We were talking about Mark Garcia and the game theory, and Mike, you mentioned that he's got six running backs through round 13 already. It's interesting to look at the specific players that he picked because he started with Austin Eckler, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, locked in starters for their teams. Those next three: Tony Pollard, Latavius Murray, Alexander Madison. So all handcuffs that drafters in general like putting all of them on his team is saying one of those guys is likely to break through. Maybe none of them do, but 
taking all three of them on the same roster is means he doesn't have to bet on one doing it. He just has to bet on one of three doing it. Yes. And that, that's, that's a good point. He also has Kelsey here. So he might've shied away from like a, a, I don't know, Troutman, I guess would have been going this way. One of these other tight ends in the middle where you'd have a backup there. If he had a lesser tight end, he might've been inclined to do that. But when you have Kelsey, you feel that extra power where you can maybe go all night without a second uh, tight end on your roster. How do you, how do you guys feel though about taking those three handcuff running backs when you, you know, what he drafted three of the top 21 running backs off the board. Like he obviously expects those guys to start for him most of the week. So to me taking, especially, you know, all three of those handcuff running backs, to me, it seems like overkill, but um, you know, we'll, we'll have to have Mark on the podcast and get his thoughts on it. I mean, you only need two running back starters every week, so you get through those three guys to fill those two spots. Right. I'm still reeling, though, from Mike Turn and Travis Kelsey dirty. I mean, he's feeling the power of Kelsey. He can go all night afterward. I I don't know, man. I, I'm not <laughs> sure I'm ready for this one. we got to change the rating on this pod. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, so in seriousness, Jared, I think that, you know, it's just saying I, I feel good about those three up top. Maybe he takes another guy later on. But, you know, it's saying one of these three guys is going to break through because somebody's going to get hurt. So I'm going to take three of these high upside handcuffs rather than just one of them and take a chance that I get something from them. Yeah, I get that. To me, that's just a strategy more for like a zero RB team or a team like like Pete or Ben that only took, you know, one running back in the first few, uh, you know, 10 rounds. Yeah, but I think when you have 25 roster spots to play with and, you know, you don't need kickers, you don't need defenses. I mean, they're, it, it, you don't have to be pigeonholed to, um, you know, zero RB. It can work however you want because he could still go all wide receivers and one more tight end from here. Which I think is what he should do at this point. <laughs> yeah. So next to Mark's team, um, who do we have at number four? I can't see the names up top, but we got Overs up. Oh, yeah. Peter Overzet. Still no running back on his team. Oh, no, he took J.D. McKissick, so still no second running back on his team. Um, <laughs> Henry Ruggs right before that. Cole Komet, tight end 18. Nicole Hardman before that. Marquise Brown, Taysom Hill. So it was Pete. He probably felt like he could do it because Ben Gretsch went and took a second and third running back at the 13-14 turn. So Pete, over, Pete won that battle with Ben uh, waiting out for that second running back. Toughest Man, thing ben, to do in sports, repeat. Ben Ben getting James Conner at RB45. I, I think you know, he, he did very well to get him as his RB2 after waiting for that long. Yeah, and he's been going at least double at the same position for, what's that, one, two, three, four, five straight turns now, and what, six of seven? So definitely a pattern to his drafting. I, I think what – Pete Overzet did with quarterbacks is really interesting uh, with Fitzpatrick and Hill. I mean, I might be simplifying it from following him and watching him so much, but I, I was, I would have sooner expected one or the other, I guess in there and then one more receiver, but um, you know, nonetheless, we see lots of receivers up and down that list and Fitzpatrick and Hill. Um, maybe they both start all year. And work out. I don't know. Well, I, would, I guess I would have predicted different. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing with Fitzpatrick is I, I think on a per game basis, I think he'll beat quarterback twenty four. Um, but you know, he to me, he's a poor bet to play all all seventeen games. So if, you know, if he is your quarterback too, I think it was smart for for Pete to get a third quarterback uh, shortly thereafter. 
Yeah, we'll see how smart it was to get Taysom Hill, which will be interesting. Daniel Jones, by the way, fairly late in this one, quarterback 26. I know that there's not a whole lot to like out of Giants camp right now, but Daniel Jones seems pretty late to me at QB 26. I like him better than Ryan Fitzpatrick and Zach Wilson, at least on par with Ben Roethlisberger because he has the rushing. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to be as high on Jones as I kind of was a few weeks ago. And now with you know, all the stuff out of Giants camp and Kenny Galladay banged up, it's, it's kind of given me excuse to uh, you know back off Daniel Jones a little bit. That's the thing, though, is you can still be low on him and call him QB 22, and that's still high on him in a lot of drafts. You wind up getting him. So that's what, that's my issue is I didn't end up taking him a whole lot early in draft season just because I was taking another quarterback in you know, QB 18, 19 range. And it was before Daniel Jones even came up for me in ADP. But I mean, that he, he's just lingering so long. He's a, the kind of player that nobody wants at this point. Um, anything interesting in the past couple rounds that you've seen, Adam, now that you're past your round 15 pick? Um, yeah. Um, so you got Mac Jones just in case he gets on the field with your tight end stack. No, he'll definitely get on the field. You have to remember – Cam Newton threw eight touchdowns last year, which is impossible <laughs> in 2020 in 15 games. Um, so he'll definitely get on the field. Um, and, when, and when he does, I'll have Henry and Janu, which is pretty sweet. I wasn't even really planning on going for Jones there, but when I saw it and kind of thought about it, I think it made sense. Um, I got really got sniped. So when I took Fournette in the 13th, I was really debating over Jared's boy, Rondale Moore, to go with Kyler Murray um, or – James Conner to go with Kyler Murray. And I said, oh, one of those guys will make it back to me. So I took Fournette as RB 43 with it, which I think is pretty sweet. Um, and of course, both those guys went. So that was a little disappointing, but I was okay with getting Emmanuel Sanders there. Um, but yeah, other than that, everything's pretty much, I mean, Kiki Kuti, I mean, I think it's, I don't know, it's a little early for him usually, but again, he's wide receiver 65. So uh, you can't really complain there. But other than that, everything's, uh, par for the course i think i believe this is the third straight draft that we've seen teddy bridgewater go ahead of drew lock even though it sounds to me like drew lock has been impressing more than teddy bridgewater has so far is that what you've heard jared yeah um I, i'd say it sounds like lock is in the lead but you know not 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 by a ton but yeah if i had to guess right now it'd be lock under center week one for never i i think both guys are gonna are gonna see the field this this year though yeah, I would guess so too, and I'm not planting a flag either way. But if I'm picking between them, it's Drew Locke for me. Plus, he's the higher upside, um, you know, point scorer among them, I believe, because of the the deeper A dot stuff. Yeah. On on Cam Newton, real quick, he is four. Adam's got his passing touchdowns eight. You know how many rushing touchdowns he had last year? <laughs> Fifteen. Twelve. In fact, he is four away from Earl Campbell. For his wow. career, seven away from Tony Dorsett for his career, seventy rushing touchdowns. Now you're going to tell me Josh Allen will probably pass that number, which maybe how many real- how many passing touchdowns would Earl Campbell have had for the Patriots? <laughs> <laughs> Fewer than eight, maybe, maybe, but seventy rushing touchdowns more than Todd Gurley, and it's more than Eddie George. It's uh, true. Just like what an interesting career he's had. I I have said on Newton, like my. My bet is that he still has something left. I think there were a lot of obvious circumstances working against him last year. Very late start to joining the Patriots. COVID, the limited practices, and he had that shoulder injury and then foot injuries. Maybe he's better. Does, is that a franchise that places that double-down bet on Newton if they don't have reason to think he can bounce back? I mean, maybe, maybe it won't happen, but I think that's a team intending to win. 
and Jones is there for their future. They're sort of middling it there, but I am not done with Newton. I think Adam is. I'm not done with Newton either. I don't think it's an exciting situation either way, but I, I agree that there's a chance that Cam Newton is, you know, at least a fair amount better than he was last year. I mean, 12 rushing touchdowns. You, you know that how that season started with the worst weapons in the league. <laughs> I mean, he, he was he was startable until he got sick. Mm-hmm. And that, that game in Kansas City that he missed, and then it was really pretty much awful after that. But I like Newton. I like Myers a little bit. I don't know if we're there yet. I don't think we are. But um, Oh, wait, he did just go. Okay, well, we've been out a long time. <laughs> there you go. Wide receiver 74 off the board. So we're more than halfway through all the wide receivers that will get picked tonight. Adam, do you have any parting shots before we start to wrap this thing up? No, I think um... – I mean, quick on Cam Newton. I, I just think, like, I don't mind rushing quarterbacks. Obviously, they're high upside. 12 rushing touchdowns is great. But, you know, with an older quarterback that relies on, like, really taking a lot of punishment to get his yards and get his touchdowns, I think it's it's hard for me to – to um, if I have to bet on one or the other, I'll take, I'll take Mac Jones, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, as far as my draft parting shots, I was happy the way that it's turned out. Um, I went in wanting to get um, two quarterbacks in the first four rounds, and I was going to take Hawkinson in the fourth, and just there was too much running back value there. So uh, I'm happy with the start. I'm happy with kind of I got my guys, and uh, we'll we'll see. We'll uh, Xavier Xavier Jones there. Yeah, I, I, you know I've heard some positive things out of camp with him. Um, you know, it's Henderson's had tr- trouble staying healthy. Um, and he's normally been been going a little bit higher than this, but again, this this is a super flex. But I'll take a shot on Xavier Jones as a you know why can't he be Alexander Madison or you know Gus Edwards if if there's an injury to the to the starter? Because he's Xavier Jones. I don't Come know. on, RB doesn't matter. We we, we know that. <laughs> I mean, don't you know, don't you know Nico Collins was still on the board? I know. I ha- listen. I have I have him queued up. We'll see. We'll see if he makes it back. Jared, any parting shots from you? No, it's been a fun three nights. I'm, you know, glad glad to have a break from, uh, you know, talking to you guys for the next few. But we'll be back at it next week for three more. We're drafting on Tuesday. I think yes. you have a break. Yeah, so I will not Tuesday. be talking to you. I'm going to be focusing on my draft next Tuesday. There you go. I guess I'm going to be talking more. We'll see exactly who's talking to me. Adam, you'll be back with me that night, right? I'll, I'll, I'll be back. Oh yeah. <laughs> Mike, any closing thoughts for tonight? I'm so happy to be involved in this with you guys. I can't believe I'm in these uh, tournaments, but I love it. Uh, it's really an honor. And Adam and I are going to Canton next weekend for the Expo and then Vegas for some shows out there. Also, the Bare Knuckle Challenge after the opening night game and then the main event uh, that week, too. So uh, really an exciting time. And I'm trying to memorize these boards as we speak, which is uh, fun but challenging. You guys get to do all the fun stuff. Well, you know, me me and Matt slave away (laughs) at our keyboards. I know. It's less, it's not as fun as it sounds. Okay, we're gonna end up with Cam Newton. It's not. It is. Happen. It is. Yeah, at Vegas, least Vegas as fun is not as, as fun as it sounds. <laughs> it is at least as fun as it sounds. <laughs> well, Mike, thank you for balancing out Jared's negativity with your positivity. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining <laughs> I, us tonight. I get that all the time. <laughs> That's gonna do it for us for night three of the Draft Sharks Invitational. Head over to Draft Sharks Discord if you want to keep tracking this action through the end. There is still another. Uh, what? eight and a half rounds to go. You can find the links in YouTube, on the Facebook description, uh, on any podcast description, wherever you're listening to this beyond the fact. 
It's free to join the Discord, so come join us there. Talk about fantasy football. There's a lot of people already talking about it and showing their teams. Of course, you can get ready for your own drafts by becoming a DS Insider, gaining access to the all-new Draft War Room. We will customize our award-winning projections to fit your league specs, sync with your draft, help you dominate your opponents. For Jared Smola, Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 